this morning on Thanksgiving. Um, then I thought we might preach this evening on Thanksgiving and Tuesday on Thanksgiving. And, uh, well, whatever. It ended up that it's tonight, okay? So, um, really wanted to look at Mark chapter 3 and the challenge today. So, I'm glad we had opportunity to do that this morning and uh, to think about uh, just our... Uh, our Lord and his obedience to the will of the, of the Father, the will of God, and uh, the challenge that we need to hear. But um, uh, tonight we are going to look at and, and focus on the matter of Thanksgiving. Uh, we used to sing, since we're, we were talking about choruses and you just sang one, um, uh, we used to sing a chorus growing up that I really haven't heard in a long time, and maybe, you've, uh, maybe you know it. So here I'm going to get my opportunity to sing again, all right? Maybe you know it. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Thank you. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And then you would sing, I've got the love of Jesus, love of Jesus down in my heart. And then my personal favorite. Come on. And, and no, wait. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Thank you very much. Sit on attack. Sit on attack. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack to stay. And then I know I'm so happy. So or there you go. Anyway, oh, you got you forgot one verse. I've got the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. Way down in the depths of my heart. Way down in the depths of my heart. I've got the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. We down in the depths of my heart to stay, and then I'm so happy, so very happy. And you got to smile when you sing that song and everything else. But here's the question: Do you? Do you? You know? <laughs> Do you have a smile? Well, at least some of you got a smile now. We're doing that. We're doing better with that. All right. But do you have the joy, 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 joy down in your heart? No matter what's going on. Uh, not too long ago. As I was reading through the book of Acts and have been actually in my own personal time, and then it seems like it, it had come up a couple different times, um, reading the story that I knew really well about the Philippian jailer and, uh, and that, uh, that story where Paul and Silas were doing what? Yeah, they were praying and singing praises. And... Um, as I read through that story, it's always good when sometimes just those stories you start to think through some of the things that are going on and taking place and make it a little bit more than just, okay, yeah, I know that story. I've heard that one from, since I was a kid and everything else. And I asked myself this question. Would I have been praying and singing praises in that dismal place? And uh, you say, well, what was your answer, Pastor? I'm not telling you. No, I would say... Um, Here's the truth. I hope so. I hope so. We always like to think that we would, in the darkest moments of life, do what's right. And, you know, thankfully, God hasn't put us in the place where we have to answer that question. Um, maybe it's coming. Who knows? But... Um, Thankfully, haven't worried about that, nor am I worried necessarily that tomorrow I'm going to have to worry about or concern myself with whether I'd have the joy of the Lord in the midst of a dark night like that. But when I thought about that question, I asked myself another question. Because it's one thing to say, would I do that 
like Paul and Silas pray and sing praises to God in the midst of such a dismal situation. But then the question is, how have I handled the difficulties of life recently? Have I had the joy, 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 joy down in my heart? Um, at the things that were not nearly as bad as Paul and Silas experienced. Now, I'm not going to answer that question for you either. Um, you know, bad, bad drivers, bad legislation, um, the flu on steroids, all sorts of things that have been going on in life that, um, that really challenge whether or not will have the joy that God talks about. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1, as he comes to the end of this book, he gives us a, a, a finally, it's not really the end of the book, we're really early in it, but he's still saying finally, and he says, finally, my brethren, say it with me, rejoice in the Lord. And then we know in chapter 4, he comes back and says it again in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Now, maybe you've never taken time to examine yourself like that and thought through a story and said, well, what I have and do I have the joy in my heart that I would sing in the midst of difficulty like that? But you know, those questions are good if they lead us to ponder where we're at and look at our lives right now and say, do I have that and is that in existence in my heart and life? And if not, then what do I need to do about it? And how can I? And, and uh, you know, what do I need to do in order to change maybe the attitudes and things that I've had prevalent and seen in my life? Our verses for this month, the first one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and the last one, verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, and sandwiched in between is an, as an important subject about praying without ceasing. But the, the two are dealing with our attitude in life. Rejoice evermore in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Two very, very simple and basic verses. There's not a lot of words in them. But boy, the message is challenging if you really think about that. Rejoice evermore. Now, I am thankful I haven't had a test of my joyfulness like Paul and Silas had, aren't you? Uh, you know, I'm thankful that, uh, that I haven't been put in, in jail. And, um, and, you know, I'm thankful that I haven't been beaten for my faith. I'm thankful that I haven't been in a situation or circumstance even near that in any way, shape, or form in my entire life. But I do find it challenging as I look at someone like that and say, that is the same guy who wrote these words in Philippians chapter 3 and Philippians chapter 4. That is the same guy who wrote the words in Thessalonians. And it was the same man who went through untold difficulties in life. We, we see him over and over going through hardships and troubles. You can read a lot about his life and all the problems he had in the book of Acts. And yet we see a guy telling us, this is what we're supposed to do. And this is what God wants from our life. And so... Uh, as I thought those things through, I began to look at some of the 500 verses in the Bible, and, and, and I'm serious about that, 500 verses in the Bible that deal with being thankful. Now you say, well, not just the word thankful. I know that. The word thankful isn't the only one. Uh, rejoice, joy, praise, thanks. Some form of those words 
you will find uh, somewhere around 500 times or more in the Bible. So it's a subject that God deals a lot with. And maybe it's because we just need to be reminded of it. And I know, Thanksgiving, we always preach on that subject, don't we? And here's the reason why. Because every year we need to be reminded. And every year I come to these passages and start to read these verses. And I honestly, I just get... I get convicted. It's, there are certain messages, it doesn't matter when you preach them, it doesn't matter how often you preach them, uh, they, are just, they are just convicting. Preaching on prayer, always challenging, always, because your prayer life can always improve. But preaching on rejoicing is something that also can always improve. And so I want to challenge you with some of the thoughts that I have. In fact, what I did is I started to look through, I, I, I was asking God to help me see, you know, like if there's a method, there's some kind of thing maybe that we could, that we could give in some sort of formula, you know. But here's the truth. If there had been a formula, some guy would have been preaching it for years now. But there is no magic formula. There's no magic bullet that's going to make you joyful in any given situation. There really isn't. But there's a lot in the Bible about it. We have numerous commands demanding thankful living. And what's interesting is that in many of those passages, they say nothing about what you're supposed to do. They just say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, uh, rejoice in the Lord. In everything, give thanks. Rejoice evermore. And numerous other verses who, that give us that truth. So we have numerous commands, but there's no necessarily formula. And why? Because there isn't any magic formula that's going to guarantee you will be joyful if you were put in prison or if you've had a lot of bad things happen in your life recently or if you got some bad medical reports. There's nothing. There is no scripture verse, one scripture verse that will work. But I will tell you this, that God will use numerous means by which to help you to be joyful in every situation if you will learn where God says joy is found. And if you'll look at some of the different verses, and we're going to do that this evening, that God talks about this matter of joy and understand some of the truths that are found therein. So let me begin to give you a list tonight. Um, and that means that our, our visitors just have to come back. There you go. See, I... I, there's a reason why you have continual messages, all right? Uh, no, it's, uh, but I, there's like seven or eight things that I put down as I was going through a number of these verses, uh, truths that have been challenging to me. Now, we know it. You've heard it many times, but I, I read the words of William Barclay, and he said you can have the joy, 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 joy down in your heart. He didn't say it that way, but he said joy has nothing to do with material things, or with a man's outward circumstance. He said, a man living in the lap of luxury can be wretched. And a man in the depths of poverty can overflow with joy. And he's right. It's true. See, the Bible commands joy all the time. And joy, then, cannot be under the control of events, feelings, or circumstances. It can't. If it was then God couldn't tell us in Philippians 4.4, by inspiration, rejoice in the Lord always. He wouldn't be able to tell us rejoice evermore. He wouldn't be able to tell us in everything, give thanks, if these things were dependent upon the circumstances that are going on in our life. 
And as we look at the Bible and as we go through people who had joy and, and sang praises to God, we see people who did that in the midst of difficulties. So most of you know this, but just if, in case someone doesn't, where was the book of Philippians written from? Jail, okay? So Paul is in jail and he's writing to these people and it's known as the book of joy. And he talks about joy over and over and he gives these commands in it and it's obvious then that he understood that joy is dependent upon what's going on in our life. So I, again, I have about seven or eight things and I'm probably only gonna get a, only gonna get a couple done. And maybe we'll do it Tuesday, maybe we'll do it next Sunday, maybe we'll do it for the next 13 weeks. I, no, we won't go that far, all right? But let me share with you some of the truths I've learned. And we begin right here in the book of Philippians. And let me share with you the first truth. Understand the power of the mind. Now, that may sound rather strange. In fact, quite honestly, it was something that I came to, if you would, late in the study. Because I had a number of other principles and a number of other truths that will, again, that we will seek to share with you about having the joy, 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 joy down in your heart all the time. But there's something that came to my mind as I was reading through this and, and this passage. Look, real happiness is not dependent, again, on external things. Here's what someone wrote. The pond is fed from within. The kind of happiness that stays with you is the happiness that springs from inward thoughts and, and, and decisions. You must cultivate your mind if you wish to achieve enduring happiness. You must furnish your mind with interesting thoughts and ideas, for an empty mind seeks pleasure as the substitute for happiness. I thought that was an interesting statement. But what they suggest in that statement is that the mind, when fed the right things, can produce joy. Is that true? And the answer is yes. Now you say, well, well, where do we find that in the Bible? Well, look at Philippians chapter 4 and look at verse 8. Because God says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there's anything that's virtuous, if there's anything praiseworthy, what does God tell us? Think on these things. Dwell on these things. Why? Because, let me tell you, the mind is a powerful thing to change the life. It is a powerful thing. The book of Philippians, again, remind you, was written by a man in jail and written to people who knew great hardship, yet this is the book of joy. How can that be? Because joy is not dependent on what's happening outside. Joy is dependent upon what's going on in my mind and in my heart because out of the abundance of the heart, out of the, out of the mind and the thoughts, come the actions of life. And so Paul and Silas can sing praises to God when they've been beaten. And let me tell you that they beat with stripes. You remember the Philippian jailer took them home and washed their stripes. So beaten and bloody in this prison, not because they had done anything wrong, and yet they still could sing praises. Job had a boatload of bad news hit him. I mean, I, I, more than a boatload. He had a, he had a, you know, he had a freighter hit him with, with bad news, and yet he said, "Blessed be the name of the Lord." How is that possible? Well, these verses all speak about giving thanks and rejoicing 
And the point is that joy is a choice. It tells us that our mind is a very powerful thing. It has the ability to live above circumstances and have us do things that normally and naturally we wouldn't do if our mind is controlled by the right things. Now you say, seriously, Pastor, you're, you're talking about the, the power of the mind? Well, Philippians chapter 4 suggests that what you think on uh, uh, impacts greatly what you, what you do. Um, the Bible talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the mind and heart and these things, that our actions come forth. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So listen, what your mind and your heart dwell on and think on are, are, uh, have the ability to help you live above circumstances. See, I don't feel like rejoicing all the time. And I'm sure you don't. Come on, let's be honest about that fact. But the, the truth of the matter is God says we can. God says we can choose to do so. I've thought about this. Modern psychology tells us we're controlled by our past and even by our, our recent past. And, and modern psychology says there's no hope but to live through tragic evils of our past and present day. It's really, and it is, a religion. It's a hopeless religion. It says that by therapy throughout your life, and probably with strong medication as well, meeting to, uh, uh, with it, that will dull the ability to think and control and manage, by the way, your thinking, that if you use those things, then you might be able to manage and live life and move positively forward. And God said, rejoice in the Lord always. Because God knew that he created you with a mind that had the ability to live above the circumstances, that you can will a right attitude. You can. You say, Pastor, you sound like you're just being really just fleshly, and, and, and this is just something that, that the world, uh, you know, that the world would have to practice. Well, here's the truth. This fact about the mind being a powerful thing, the world understands. Let me tell you something, and you know this. But there are people in life, and we can see unsaved people in life who have lived above their circumstances. You know anyone like that? Tons of people who have had tragic tragedies far greater than some people that sit in a, in a psychologist's office looking for help. Far greater. And they lived above those, and they're not even saved. You know why? Because God created the mind with an amazing ability to live above circumstances and then not be controlled by them. He did. Now, I, I, I say this, I say it very carefully. So someone can live without God and still be happy. They can still rejoice. Actually, the truth is they're not living without God because God is the one who made their mind. And God is the one who gave them the ability. And the truth is, if God didn't at least give them that ability, they wouldn't be able to make it. But God says you can choose what to think on. You can choose what to dwell on. And you can live above the circumstances that you face. You need to understand that you have a very powerful mind. And we could, this evening, we could spend our entire time speaking of multitudes of people in life who have suffered excruciating circumstances, yet they're well-adjusted, functioning, and in many cases, happy people. And some of those 
or even lost people. Thankfully, God gives people the ability to live above their circumstances. And those who don't are there because they've chosen not to, not because they can't help it. And I say that on the basis of what God commands us to do in, this, in these passages. He says, look, you can do this. So do it. Rejoice in the Lord always. So understand, this is a, a real important truth, and it's something a lot of times we ignore because we want to say, well, okay, what are the spiritual things? Well, the spiritual things are God made a mind within you that has the ability to make right choices and to live above what's going on. And if you'll choose to think on the right things, you can have joy in the midst of your difficulties. But if that's all we had, well, some people make it with that because lost people don't have the help of God. And yet many of them live above their circumstances. And, and if we ended there, boy, it'd be kind of a, you know, like, well, all right, that's fine. So then let's understand another thing. There are additional resources that are available to Christians. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, I'm, I'm thankful that God has made me with a mind that can choose my attitude and choose to respond right. But I want you to understand now the importance of your relationship with God. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, uh, just after he talks about what you think about he said in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. By the way, contentment, peace, joy, uh, really a number of things that are talked about in Scripture are related with one another. In many ways, especially peace and joy. You can't really separate them in Scripture. At least they are separate things, but they are very, very closely related and tied to and talked about many times in tandem with one another. Uh, joy and, and peace. But he talks here about being content. And he said this is something that he, what? Learned. And he said, okay, it's the power of the mind. Well, let's go on. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And you say, well, okay, we stop right there. We're in trouble because we don't get the whole message. Because he said, and you know it, you memorized it. I can do all things through who strengtheneth me. All right, so for a Christian, hey, thankfully, God has given me, uh, and, and you may not think I have a lot in the mind, okay, but God has given me a mind that can live above the circumstances if I will make the choice to do so. But God has gone beyond that. And God says, okay, for the Christian now, I want you to know, not only have I given you an amazing mind and an amazing ability for you to look at and to, to live above the things that are going on, and not be controlled by them. He said, not only have I given you that, but I also promised you that as you're going through the difficulties of life as a Christian, I have strength for you that will be sufficient to help you to make sure you maintain that right attitude. So you can have the joy, 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 joy down in your heart all the time. And it doesn't matter if the devil doesn't like it. He can't do anything about it. Because there's a God in heaven who strengthens and who meets the need. So the words of Paul in this passage, encouraging joy, even though they were in hardship, came from, and at least he shares the fact that some of his ability to live in this contented way and to be content with the situations of his life, both when he had a lot and when he had very little, came from a God who gave him strength. So consider a few other verses. Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is what? 
fullness of joy. So look, there is a, a, an important aspect of the Christian's life. If I'm going to have joy all the time, not only do I need a mind that is set on the fact that, hey, look, I do have the ability to think right, but I also have to understand that I need God's strength and I need God's help, and the closer I am to him, the more I know his help. In thy presence, this is an amazing thing, is fullness of joy. The closer I am to God, the closer I am to him in my relationship with him is going to bring about the experience of, if you would, joy in the life. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. Paul has the thorn in the flesh. Come on. See, these verses we know. Isn't it amazing that most of the verses we know and love in Scripture talk about joy and happiness and, and, and gladness? Okay, so in this passage, in verse 7, he has this thorn in the flesh. And he, he obviously wasn't exactly happy about that because he prayed that God would remove it, right? So he takes time and he really gets a hold of the throne of God. And it seems to me that his expectation was, this is going to go. I'm going to get rid of this thorn because I'm asking God. And I believe that this is a detriment to my walk with God. And so he's talking to God about it. And, and God told him something. Jesus Christ spoke with him. <laughs> now, that ain't going to be happening to you, okay, in that sense. But God spoke to him so that he could write by inspiration and share with us that God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul has this thorn. He's in weakness. And he understands that, look, I can't do ministry I can't do what God wants me to do in this situation. So I'm asking God to remove it, and I expect him to do so, but he doesn't remove it, and he just tells me that when you're weak, I have the strength for you. So let me tell you, here's the great truth. When my mind is, is becoming weak in the midst of a difficulty, and your mind does become weak, doesn't it? You know, at times you're just... The, Man, one thing after another, after another. Look, you can be as positive as you want. But there are just some times when it's hard to keep a positive outlook. All right. Yeah, the power of positive thinking. Sometimes it just ain't enough. And so it's at those times when I'm weak that I need God's strength. And God has it, and it comes in a relationship with him. And that's why he could say most gladly, therefore, there we go. We got this, this, this most gladly, therefore, will I rejoice in my infirmities and in, in, in persecutions and in, in all sorts of problems when they come my way. I rejoice in those things. Why? Because when I am weak, then I'm strong. So look, when my mind is a powerful thing, God created it, God made it, and he gave me the ability many times to live above my circumstances. But listen, when my circumstances are getting me down because my mind isn't all-powerful, there's a God in heaven that can meet the need. And the closer I am to him, the more I experience and know in a real way his power and his strength to have a right attitude, to be joyful in the midst of my difficulties. The Gentile world was told to rejoice in the salvation provided to them in Romans chapter 15, verses 10 to 12. Take a moment and look there, would you? Romans chapter 15. I just want you to see it.
In verse 10, rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. Uh, and again, verse 11, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles. So we see something about praise and joy and happiness, right? Laud him, all ye people. Look, you should rejoice. You say, well, well, how can they do that? Well, it's all related to the fact that God has opened salvation to the Gentiles. Okay, that is ultimately the message. But look, if you would, I love uh, the words of verse 13. Because we're told there the source of it. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That ye may abound in hope through what? Power of the Holy Ghost. And so we have, we have God the Father and we have the Holy Spirit involved in this ministry of, of joy in my heart. The fact uh, we mentioned in our opening text, rejoice. What's the next three words? Okay, well, that's always. So sorry, back in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord. Okay? Or, well, or it's one of those verses somewhere. Oh, okay, don't have it right in front of me, but here's the truth. We're told to rejoice in the Lord. Um, most writers bring out this aspect, two things. The fact that we're in the Lord, we've been saved by grace, we have eternal life, should cause us to be able to rejoice at all times. Rejoice in the Lord. I'm in Him, and that can't change. Look, nothing that happens to me can take away my home in heaven. Nothing. No, no one can do that. No man can do that. No circumstance can do that. Nothing. So I always have a reason to joy. But uh, they also tell us there's a second aspect. And it's that I rejoice in the Lord. It's in Him that I have ultimately the ability to rejoice always, to rejoice at all times. Because He gives joy. He gives strength. He gives the ability. So, look, the closer I am to Him, the more I'm going to know this. The, clo the, the closer my relationship is with Him, in His presence is that fullness of joy. A preacher spoke of, of that subject. He said, my closest Jewish friend in college nicknamed me Simcha, I believe it is, the ancient Hebrew word for joy. It was no secret in our dorm that I laughed often and found a delight in daily circumstances that seemed to escape many others. One Christian friend confided in me. I think he went to a secular uh, university. He said, the non-Christians here have a saying about you. Either Paul is totally crazy or he's on to something we don't know about. They were right. I was on to something. I should say someone. Uh, they didn't know about, though I tried often to introduce them to him. Only a short time before I went to college, I met the Lord. And he had become a great fountain of my joy. Whenever I sensed his presence, a deep delight I couldn't contain welled up within me. In the more than 20 years since that time, joy has rarely been far from me because Jesus has remained close by. That's not to say I haven't known considerable grief, sadness, and struggle. Nor could I even say that I've been happy most of the time, but I've known an abiding joy nonetheless. When Christian friends ask about the secret of that joy, I share with them two important lessons that have made all the difference. First, I learned not to confuse joy with happiness. He said, and second, I've discovered that if I want joy, I must abandon the pursuit of it 
and go looking for God instead. Think about that. It's not that I'm looking for joy. I need to pursue God. And in pursuing God, he gives joy. You're in Romans 15, right? Go back a chapter before. And look in verse 17, where he says this. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and... What? Well, you figured we had to see that word. Joy! And where does it come from? In the Holy Ghost. Now, uh, think about this passage. We're told that we'll make what makes us happy what gives us joy, which what makes us joyful is when we get what we want. Right? Isn't that what, hey, look, if this good thing happens to me, man, I'd be happy. We're told that all the time. Okay, do you know what Romans 14 is all about? Romans 14 is about selfless living. It's about saying, Hey, you know what? I have the right to do something, but I'm not going to do it. That's what this whole chapter is about. You go back to verse 13. Don't be a stumbling block. He says, we're all going to give account to God for the things that we do, and we need to be willing to make the choice for a brother if it's going to help them to put aside our rights and everything else. So we find this instruction in verse 17 in this truth at the end of a section where he's saying, live a selfless life and you can have joy. What? Are you crazy? If I'm living a selfless life, there's no way I'm going to be joyful because I'm living for everyone else and not myself. By the way, that philosophy is even taught in Christianity. Well, you you need to please yourself every once in a while too, you know. And God says that's not where it's at. The kingdom of God is in meat and drink. Look, give those things up. It's not... <laughs> no, not giving up meat, sorry. Oh, okay. No, the kingdom of God is in meat and drink. He says, hey, look, what's important? Righteousness, peace, and joy. And that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And if you will live a selfless life, you can have joy, even though that is absolutely, totally contrary to what the world tells you uh, will bring joy in your life. And how does that come? It comes because when you live that selfless life, God's Holy Spirit is able to live within and give you and produce what he's promised to produce because the fruit of the Spirit is, come on, love, joy, peace. Yep, now you're going through the whole list, aren't you? Yeah. And he talks about walking in the spirit in that passage. Walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he, then he comes in, and, but the fruit of the spirit is. So if we will walk under the control of the spirit, here we go. We've got this relationship with God talked about in Psalm 16. We have this relationship in the spirit, and we see that God, in all his aspects, all, all, all his ways that he's, he's presented, he says, I have got joy for you, and the closer you are to me, and the more you let me have your my way in your life the more you will know joy and and it'll be a joy that no one can understand or no one can explain so look the the power of the mind these are important things understand that i made you with a mind that has the ability to live above the circumstances but it's not going to be powerful enough all the time 
but you can rejoice evermore because I am there to be with you, and when you don't have the strength to do it, I have it for you. And I want to give it to you. And if you'll walk with me, if you'll put my will first, like we heard this morning, if, if you will uh, live this life doing the will of God and, and just walk in communion with me, then I want you to know you can have joy in your heart all the time. The church at Thessalonica uh, was told this, 1 Thessalonians 1.6. Oh, um, well, let, let's look at it, okay? I, I know. I want you to see these verses. So if I don't get far, so what? Yeah, you think it's important, but... Because it would be far better for us to see and understand the truth. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in verse 6, and he says, You became followers of, of us and of the Lord, having received the word. Now, what are the next three words? Okay, so how did, how did it all come? When, when, uh, what, was it a good situation for the church at Thessalonica when the gospel was actually shared with them in the first place? And when they came to faith in Christ, was it easy? Was it good? No. Or it was a very troublesome time. And we read about a number of things um, that, that the word of God sounded out from the, the, them because they were in the midst of great difficulty. But look at what it says at the end of verse 6. They, had the, they received the word in much affliction. But then what? They had joy anyway. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. What? In trouble? Yes, down in my heart. Then they had it uh, not because of their own ability, although the mind is a powerful thing. They had it because there was a joy that the Holy Spirit gave as they became a follower of Jesus Christ. Because when they said, be a follower of me, he said, be a follower of me as I also am of Jesus Christ. So, so my friends, look, joy is a choice. Many times, your mind has the ability to be joyful. But there are going to be times when you aren't going to want to choose it. And when things are going to be difficult, and when things are difficult, you need God. You need a relationship with Him. And let me tell you when you need to be developing that relationship. Now. Because if you try to get it when you're in the greatest difficulty, that's not when you're supposed to. You're supposed to be close to God so you can maintain joy. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we look at it the wrong way. So I say, I need to get right with God. I got all these problems. I need to get right with God. Yes, you do. But it would have been far better if you would gotten right with God before and you would have had his abiding presence to give you joy all the way through what you're going through now. Christian, you need him now. You need him today. And let me share with you one other truth for tonight. Understand the value of the Bible. Say, wow, this is profound, Pastor. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Understand the value of the Bible. In Psalm 19, the psalmist speaks of the great value of Scripture. 
The word is to be desired. You know why? Because it brings benefits to your life. It converts the soul. Simple people are made wise by the Bible. You know those verses, don't you? They're well known, okay? You know one of the other things that it, that it does? Psalm 19.8, the statutes of the Lord are right. Come on. Rejoicing the heart. Your relationship with this book has great impact on whether you have the joy, 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 joy down in your heart all the time. Your relationship with God depends, has a great impact upon whether you have the joy, 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 joy down in your heart all the time. It really is. And God shares that truth in Psalm chapter 19 when he tells us the value of the word of God. You want another verse? Psalm 119, 111. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. So David said, hey, look, what rejoices my heart is the word of God. And I've taken the word as a heritage because they brought joy to my heart. They're important to me. They are something I'm living for. You see that attitude? Do you know what Jeremiah wrote? Thy words were found and I did eat them. That's weird, isn't it? Don't go chewing on your Bible either, okay? Not like my grandkid who was chewing on stuff in the trash can this afternoon. I don't know why I just told you that one. And it wasn't Rachel. Rachel's beyond that. She's not my grandkid anyway. Um, all right. Well, we, we, and it wasn't Tom. No, it wasn't. We're good. Um, but he ate the word of God. And here's what he said in Jeremiah 15, 16. And thy word was unto me the joy rejoicing in my heart. I cannot tell you how many times in my life I've been down and discouraged and I've opened my Bible and God has given me something that day. Anyone else say that that's happened? If you can't, it's a wonderful thing, let me tell you. It's a wonderful thing to be able to come to the Bible when you're down, to open the Scripture and read sometimes passages that may not even necessarily be specifically related and yet have God's Holy Spirit take a truth just, wow, man, I needed that. Been there? We need the Word of God. By the way, when he said he ate the Word, what, what was he talking about? It wasn't that he was eating the, the scrolls. They would have been real mad because he had to write them, you know? You know they couldn't copy them off or anything. The, the idea was that he was... He was chewing on it. It was, it was God's word. He was meditating. He was thinking on it. And the idea is that he was up, uh, applying it to his life. This is something that I need. This is something that I want. I long for. And when he did that, it brought joy and rejoicing to his heart. Now you say, well, why'd you have us turn to First John? Well, uh, look at what he says in First John. You say, this, is there a New Testament truth? Well, look in verse 4. And these things write we unto you. Alright, what was this written for? your joy may be full. So the writing of God's word and the truths that are found in scripture, when we learn to apply them to our life, because that's what this book of 1 John is all about. When you learn to apply these things to your life, when you're taking the word of God and you're making it important, then look, your joy will be full. Now, a lot of people, when they go through difficulty, get away from the Bible. Oh, I got so much going on. I got so much pressure. I don't have time for the Bible today. 
you are making a bad mistake. Because you need it to maintain joy. And God shares with us then that we can have that joy, 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 joy down in our heart all the time. But it's in relation to how much time we spend in and how much we follow and love and make the word of God our heritage. This is important to me. The Bible, God's word, it is, it is more, than, it's more than life to me. I'm not going to go without it. I may go without a meal, but I'm not going to go without a meal from the Bible. Because God's word brings joy to my heart. Um, so, uh, so look, Christian, the joy, 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 joy down in your heart um, comes from numerous, de- numerous means and by numerous means. And I'm thankful for that. You see, I, I don't have to have all these things and all the things that we're going to list out in order to have the joy in my heart, but God will use these different things. My closeness to him to bring joy. He will use the word of God at times to bring joy. When, I, when I'm battling with it. He will sometimes just give me the ability with the mind that he's given me to live above the circumstances. He will. And he's going to do other things. He's going to help me, and we're going to look at that. Either next week or Tuesday, maybe. We'll see. Um, but he, he'll help me to think about things that are beyond. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Jesus was, if that passage is true, joyful on the cross. Because he was looking not at the pain of the cross, but at the product that the pain was bringing. And that's another truth we'll get to as scriptures talk about how to have joy and what things can aid it in your life. I look at Bible characters like Paul and Silas, and, and I want to say, would I be singing the praises of God if I was in jail, haven't been beaten? And I want to say, I think so. But what matters not for me right now is that I have God's joy where I'm at today tomorrow in whatever circumstance comes my way and these three things we gave you tonight are are just really touching the surface all three are very important but just touching the surface what God says how you can maintain and have joy all the time it's not a one two three thing but they're all part so Will you see that your mind has the ability and strength to live above the circumstances many times and thank God for the mind he's given you in that ability? Will you walk with God and understand the closer you are to him, the more it's going to impact your joy on a daily basis? Will you get in the word and read the word and follow the word and make it part of your life, understanding that the more God's word controls your life, the more you'll understand and more you'll experience on a regular basis even in difficult days, the joy, 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 joy down in your heart. Because you can have it. God commands it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to look at this subject. 
I don't know, I don't believe I shared anything that God's people haven't heard and don't know. These truths aren't revolutionary. They're, they're Bible verses that are well known. But Lord, they do reveal to us that rejoicing in the Lord always is indeed a possibility. It's a choice, but it's a possibility with the strength that God gives. And may we know that. And may these things guide our life this week, our thinking. And may we have that joy down in our heart. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.